0: Welcome to the Midnight Society. I'm Erin. And I'm Amanda. And we're here to talk about ghost stories. True ghost stories. Things that have happened to us, things that we want to investigate, and things that have happened to you.
1: Email us your experiences at midnightsocietyae@gmail.com, at gmail.com or leave us your first-hand story as a voicemail at 978-938-4-BOO. we are
0: recording, I think. Yes, we are. Hello, listeners. Hey, everybody out there in Radio Land. We're here to radio you up, which is what we said in the first episode. Hey, girl. (laughs) Um, So we just wanted to say Happy Mother's Day Month Mm -hmm. to everybody. Yep, it's May. And we're coming at you with a special Mother's Day special.
1: Yep, and this tiny intro for you is just to let you know that this episode was a long time in the making. Um, In our past episodes, we may have alluded to the fact that I had some history with my mother and her spiritualism and the fact that she sees spirits all the time for my entire life.
0: Yeah, we've been stringing these listeners along for a long time, being like, and you're going to hear about that (laughs) someday soon. (laughs) Yeah. So now it's
1: happening. And um, we felt the need just to give you a little bit of a prelude um, because this episode, because it's personal and because it has to do with my family, a lot of my family, it's just a little more serious than usual. But
0: don't fret we still burp and slurp wine
1: (laughs) and it's gonna be spooky as fuck so i grew up in upstate new york in this really run-of-the-mill community um it was the kind of place where your neighbors all knew you and everybody knew each other's business and if you did anything out of the ordinary people would kind of look at you sideways judging very judgy Mm -hmm. Very white. Mm. Classic. (laughs) Um, So, And I know I've mentioned this in previous episodes, um, but for the sake of this conversation, I will mention once again that my father passed away pretty suddenly when I was 14 years old. And it's important in this context because it was absolutely formative in terms of how uh, I approach spiritualism and stuff going forward. So it was around this time that my mom informed me that I was psychic Oh. and she started taking me to her psychic circle as she calls it um, and this is where I frequently felt pressure to prove myself as special because my mom took me there and bragged about her psychic daughter and maybe you'll get to this but have you ever felt that have you ever felt like you've had an intuition that I can't tell Yeah, I'm not sure if I could say one way or the other that I have or haven't had any sort of like Mm extrasensory experiences. Um, But I think the biggest takeaway is just that because it was important to my mom, being that I was a shitty teenager, I sort of just (laughs) turned around. That's all teenagers are. Yeah, I was like, yeah, no, it's not happening. I feel almost as if because I was expected to make something of it from yeah, a young age. Right. I didn't want to.
0: And we're like 90s angst teens. Totally. You know? So,
1: you know, my mom started taking me to the psychic circle. Um, there was a lot uh, of testing. Mm. Um, maybe not testing, maybe not the best word for it. it yeah, was- I'm
0: thinking like Ghostbusters. It would. <laughs> like do you see a circle
1: oh yeah there were no i mean i wish there had been cards <laughs> like that it would be it was more like you know that. um say commentary mm-hmm. where they they have you pick um something hold something of some like another person's per possession um and tell them what you feel Mm -hmm. um but it was more like
0: so like tapping into intuition
1: everybody would put something into a box and then you'd have to pick something out so and it would always end up with me saying no i feel like i have the weight of the world on my shoulders and they would say oh you're so talented (laughs) Um but yeah so my mom started me taking me to these places I started doing these weird things.
0: And wait, how many people would be in these? Like how big was this community?
1: Oh, well, it was very small town, but it was usually around like I would say 8 to 12 people per that's circle.
0: That's
1: a It was significant big
0: circle for a small town. Yeah,
1: and you'll hear um my mom has told me before that she initially started going to the psychic circle as a grief group when oh. my dad oh, passed away. Okay. Um she felt like these were people that she could relate to on a level that she wanted to be on because she wanted to sort of connect with that other
0: side. But she was already having these kinds of experiences before that. Yeah, since
1: she was a little girl. Okay. okay. Um, so, but, you know, at simultaneously with all of this, I found myself rejecting that ideology that my mom had introduced me to, mm-hmm. that spirits exist mm-hmm. and that they want to communicate with us. Um, and I think a lot of us are probably familiar with that kind of rebellion in our adolescence, whether it's religion. Yeah. So my mom, you know, she thought this would be an outlet for me. She Mm -hmm. thought it would help me with my grief, but really what it did was made me do a total about face Mm -hmm. and say,
0: well, F off mom. Yeah. Um, yeah. My dad found my, I had, (laughs) I had the craft movie. I was obsessed. Were you obsessed? (laughs) Oh yeah. I was obsessed. And I, like, wrote down some of the spells that they, like, said in the movie, and my dad found my spells that I'd written, and he, like, had another Bible study with me that was like, this is a bad idea, Aaron. Chanting is not cool. Can we talk about serpents and fucking lady power? The watchtowers of the North. That's right. (laughs) My gifts. Can we talk about my gifts or what? The sharks. (laughs) (laughs) My gifts! Uh, and this is just a little
1: preview listeners into our Halloween episode will be, which will be a 60 minute reading from the craft (laughs) interpretive, of course.
0: Yeah. I'll vlog it as well with a dance for each scene.
1: Spoiler alert. We only know one dance (laughs) (laughs) and it's not pretty. What
0: do you mean? (laughs) We're so sexy. All right. Anyway, back to this. Story. Back on track. Okay.
1: Let's uh, let's let Linda speak for herself.
0: Let's hear Linda's story.
1: Yeah. So I, you know, I wanted to give you a window into my relationship with the paranormal. Um, so I thought it would be helpful for you to hear my mom's side of things. So I sat her down, and um, we're gonna take you through the chronology of my family's, I would say, evolution with. Um, being psychic and being spiritual and making contact with the other side um, because as I learned it's a lot more extensive than just my own
0: life I'm excited can't wait let's hear it Linda (laughs) Uh,
2: my name is Linda Um, I'm 58 years old I'm a computer operator and I have two children so I wanted to talk with you um, about spirits. Can you, do you remember any stories from when I was little? Well, I remember at one point you were very upset. I, I don't know how old you were, maybe a year and a half, and you got the message what that somebody was watching you while you were sleeping. You woke up and crying in the middle of the night, and we went to you and – you said somebody had been watching you. Some people were standing, looking, looking at you. And I, I, I knew afterwards that it was just people from the other side that came to see the baby. They meant no harm. They were just looking, you know.
1: So it bears mentioning that this is not an unusual story to hear from my mom. Um, as with many people who are familiar with the other side, she has a very friendly and comfortable relationship with spirits and with her own spirituality.
0: I mean, just coming to see the baby. That really <laughs> is creepy. Uh, that line, they just came to see the baby. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like a man and a woman, right? Or was it? It was, I believe, two women and a man. Two women, two women and a man. Ugh. I'm just, like, imagining them in, like, top hats and, like, well, Victorian garb. Well, that's what garb. I imagine.
1: feel like I also visualize some kind of Victorian garb. Yeah. Which also makes no sense, because the house we were growing up in was built in the 60s.
0: Yeah, but the property could have been... Maybe. It could have had a connection to something. Yeah, I mean, Albany was, like,
1: very, very early colonization, yeah. even before the Revolutionary Era. Yeah.
3: So. Mm-hmm.
0: I would love to have a talk with Linda because I'm so impressed that that like that kind of thing like ghosts coming to like see her baby didn't freak her out.
1: I know. Well, that's exactly, you know, she had a very casual relationship with spirits. Yeah.
0: And I feel like like I said in the in our first episode, like I feel pretty comfortable with a lot of this stuff. I try not to let it bother me. I feel like you do that, you give it control, mm-hmm. you give it power, so you just have to be comfortable in it so I'd love like right if that was my fucking baby I'd be like oh fuck no I'm getting out of this house I'm running for <laughs> the fucking hills so speaking of spirits who love babies you're mm. actually reminding me of a friend who had a maternal familiar haunt story what? yeah do you want to hear it I would love to awesome okay here she is nice
3: so just down the hill from here is the house that my grandmother lived in for the last Twenty years of her life she also died in that house after after she died a number of different families lived in the house and this one particular woman and her soon to be husband they realized that my grandmother was still around in the house and that she was a perfectly benevolent force or spirit in the house but Renee just didn't particularly want to share the space with my grandmother anymore. She knew my grandmother. Uh, she had known my grandmother. So, But she invited her friend who's a shaman to come in and clear the space with smudge stick and all of this stuff. And then my grandmother was gone and it was fine. And then fast forward a number of years, we have Renee and Latham moved away and a new family was living there with three young kids and piles of dogs. And... One winter night, pretty snowy night, uh, one of the kids invited a friend of his who lived from across the river to come and have his very first sleepover at the house. And the two boys were super excited but really nervous, first time sleepover, and they had a good time apparently. And then in the middle of the night, the boy from across the river wakes up and is scared to be in someone else's house. And he decides that he has to go home. And it's the middle of the night. Packs his little backpack, puts his shoes on, puts his coat on, has his backpack on, and walks out the front door. And on the stoop, finds himself face to face with this old lady who says, you can't go home in the middle of the night. It's snowy. You have to go back into the house, and in the morning, Sheila will take you home. And so he turns around, goes back into the house, and takes his pack off and his shoes and coat off, and crawls into bed with the parents, who are a little surprised to see him, I guess, in the bed. But they let him sleep in the bed with him, and in the morning... Uh, the mother asks him, like, what was going on? Were you scared last night? And he just tells them the story of putting his pack on and going out as if you were going to go home. And this old lady with curly hair and a funny accent told him to go back into the house. And that was probably my grandmother who was evicted to the stoop. <laughs> not living in her house, but she just sort of hanging out nearby. We did not want this kid to... Slip off into the side of the road.
1: Oh. Name. Wow. Yeah. I feel like I'm relating to that uh, hard right now because when I was growing up, every sleepover I went to, I would literally send myself home from. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what it was. I just never felt comfortable in other people's homes. Mm. And it might just be the unfamiliarity of it. It might be that time when I was at my neighbor's house and I
0: accidentally found the dead deer (gasps) in their basement chest freezer. What the? (laughs) Oh, they were hunters. They were hunters. I went on a total Hannibal Lecter type downward spiral but, they did okay, feed it you. to me too <laughs> they fed it to
1: me too and that's another story but yeah I just never felt comfortable and even until I got older I just never I never did well um and I think it was just because I couldn't mm-hmm. I couldn't deal with even the slightest bit of like it's, it's not my space I don't know what's going on here I don't know who's been here kind of thing mm-hmm. Hey listeners, want to stay up to date on what we're up to and get some sneak peeks of the people we're interviewing, the places we're investigating, and the spooky stuff that's scaring us
0: right now? Follow us on Instagram where we'll post updates all the time. You can find us there at Midnight Society Pod. And if you've had a paranormal experience and you'd like to share it, you can get in touch with us at MidnightSocietyAE at gmail.com. Or give us a call at 978-938-4BOO. That's 978-938-4266. I... I like
1: being scared. Yeah. Let's preface with that. But I also get scared very easily. Yeah. I freak out and I, I tend towards the blubbering. Mm-hmm. And I, I think a lot of that has to do with um the fact that I don't feel comfortable with, with this relationship that I have with the paranormal. That's still something that I'm growing into mm-hmm. and that I need to like certify my place in. Like I don't know if I feel comfortable being psychic if that's something that I have the ability to do. Like, you know, and so that's why like – I like to describe myself as a recovering skeptic because I want so very badly to explore the side of myself, but I'm still learning
0: how to do that. I'm so excited if you become, like, fucking psychic by the end of this project.
2: (laughs) So, can you tell me when you first started thinking um, that I had psychic abilities or when you first started thinking about taking me to the psychic group with you? Well... I knew you had it when you were a baby because you told me about the people that you saw looking at you. If you didn't have it, you wouldn't have seen them. You were about four. And I came home from work one night, sitting on the couch in the living room. And I hear you you call mommy, and you never woke up in the middle of the night. So I was surprised. I went down to your room, and you're sound asleep. I go back and sit down and everybody else is sleeping and I hear it again, mommy. And so I go back and look no, you're sound asleep. So finally I go to sleep. The next day I ask your dad. He said, Oh, I was hoping that you wouldn't find out about this. He said, for the past week you know, he says there's been you know, like I'll be he would be downstairs in the basement watching T V with you and your brother and from upstairs, someone would yell, Daddy. And he, you know, and you were sitting right there, and it was obviously a, a little girl's voice. And, um, so he also told me that one night he was getting some stuff out of his dresser, and he, and you, you were just kneeling on my bed, and you had your back, no, you were facing him. And he said, all of a sudden you said, Daddy, did you touch my back? And right away he knew, and he said, yes, I did. And, you know, that was good enough for you. So it was uh the Christmas season. And while you guys, you went to nursery school, Keith, I, I'm not sure if Keith was in Red Mill or, or in kindergarten, but we had the Christmas tree up, and, well, even before that, I let, I took one of your dolls and I put it on the couch at night, one night before I went to sleep. And I said, I told the little girl if she wanted, she could play with it. And when I came, woke up in the morning, I was the first one up, and the doll was, had been moved uh, from the couch to the love seat. So that gave me confirmation that, you know, I. I I knew someone was there. And then I would talk to her during the day, and and we had, I don't know if you remember, we had a little bell ornament, and mm-hmm. I asked her to yeah. ring the bell. I asked her to ring the bell, and I was down doing laundry, and the bell was ringing like crazy. And, of course, I went upstairs then, and no more bell. She only rang it when I was out of the room. So but she wanted you to come back. I'm not sure. She did what I asked her to do. That's what it was. And then, Mm -hmm. I guess through a bit of meditation, uh, Michael called. I had told him about it and he said that she was a little girl who was four and had been in a car accident and, and was killed. She didn't know she was dead. and. She was, you know, missing, of course, her mom and dad. And he thought, well, he he said that my father, who, is, who was deceased at that point, sent the little girl to our house and that uh, because we were a loving family, happy family, and, and she needed some happiness. Well, it was a little more than I could handle and uh, I just went in the car one day going to wherever the store or something and spoke to my father all the way and told him it was more than I could handle and, you know, I just didn't know what to do. And uh, when I got home from the store, she was gone. So whether or not my father had something to do with it, I like to think he did because she was gone.
1: I recently started to unpack my relationship with spirituality and all this baggage that I've accumulated along the way. Um, And I think that this is a level that my mom and I recently connected on. um, Mm. And her answer to it is spirituality. And Mm. my answer to it is not spirituality.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I opened up to you about it because after Dad passed away, I found out about this psychic group. In East Greenbush, and I used them, um, as a grief group. I used to go every Sunday night to the, the, the sessions, and it was very common to me, very, very, uh, comforting and therapeutic for me. And then I don't know when it happened, but somehow you and I spoke about it, and, you know, uh, you said you'd like to come.
1: So when you talk with my mom, you'll eventually notice that her experiences are super responsive, um, so to say. She believes spirits are aware of her strife and her loneliness, and they manifest themselves in some way to let you know that.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, so she thinks they're drawn to her because she wants them there? Like, she wants that uh, a, a companionship?
1: Uh, that she thinks they sense her loneliness. Okay.
0: Um, oh, well, that's nice.
1: And they show up to say that you're not alone.
0: That's so lovely. Um, I hope that's true. I hope I hope. as someone that tends to be uh, a lonely personality, simply because I'm an only child, and mm-hmm. uh, that's awfully nice. I hope there are spirits out there that sense that and will come and visit. Well, it's
1: definitely something I admire about her because... I wouldn't necessarily feel the same way.
0: <laughs> really? No, you're
1: like, know. no, fuck off. Mm. Well, and that's something she she raised me with, this idea that if there's a spirit around, this is the first thing she ever told me right after she said, you're psychic, was if there's a spirit around and you don't want them to be, just let them know. Yeah. Because I think I have one of those, like, what if I'm peeing? Is grandpa right. watching me? And she's like, no, just... And if you think he is, just tell him to leave. Right. Which is really this, like, very, I mean, not in a bad way, but it's a self serving, like, this is, I'm going to form this around my worldview. Like, spirits exist, but only when I want them to.
0: Right. But I don't think that's an uncommon theory because even in terms of, like, what, what gives, what makes me confident in the situations like the cemetery that we were in is just, it's all about intentions. And if your personal intentions are like, I'm just here to explore and learn or whatever the case may be, and I don't want to be, like, attacked or afraid, like, it gives me a sense of power over the situation just by knowing what my intentions are and putting, like, almost like a protective bubble around myself Mm -hmm. of, like, I'm not here to... Yeah. Here's my
1: thing, and... I I don't think that having the best of intentions are the best way to give yourself a positive experience. That's something I can agree with. However, here's a thought I have. Yeah, let's hear it. All the time. Yeah. Why would that stop them from harming you?
0: Well, right. Exactly. I mean, I don't know exactly why that would stop them. Because it would never stop
1: a physical person. It wouldn't stop
0: me. But, (laughs) but that's the theory is that just by stating like, yeah. No one's allowed to follow us home. Mm-hmm. You are not allowed to attach to us. And it's just... And and I think Ron even asked you about, like, when we did that Ouija session, did we pop properly close it?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And their properly closing the session was just like, okay, bye. Right. Don't fucking follow us. Yeah. No,
1: but I mean, I second and guess every that, like, every I intention I have, I,
0: I second guess because I'm not sure what that... Well, so this is what we're going to work on, Amanda. We're going to work on you believing yourself when you say those things because i do think that that's the only thing that protects us from any of this sh- if this shit is real that's the only thing that protects us yeah
1: because what the fuck else is going to right exactly I, sage smells great
0: it does smell wonderful <laughs> so there's Palo santo and all those other things
2: <laughs> i think when i opened up more to it was when i was um I moved upstate, you know, away from everybody I knew. And, Mm -hmm. um, I think that spirits would come to me to, uh, comfort me because I was, I was feeling very alone, you know. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Everybody. Yeah. And that's when it all started happening. But the first one I ever saw was the mother of the previous owner, Bonnie. Bonnie. Yeah. When we moved to East Greenbush and I was working a, a 4 to 12 shift in the afternoon and uh, came home to a house where everyone was sleeping and um, I was sitting there having a sandwich and I turned my back, you know, I turned around and there was a, a little old lady standing on my staircase. Um. And uh <laughs> It happened more than once, and uh that was like really one of the first times, and really freaked me out at that point and um I found out that it was the previous owner's mother who had passed away in the house. How did you find that out? well? I went to one of the neighbors that I had met quite a few times, and I felt pretty close to. And I asked what the woman's mother looked like, and she said to me, "Well, why don't you tell me?" And then right away, I knew that was the mother. And um, then some, uh, and the previous owners had moved only a few streets away. So one day, I had my husband take the children out, and um, I spoke to her and I told her I was going to take her to her daughter's house and I left the windows open in the car and I know it sounds bizarre but I talked to her the whole way, told her where we were going and when I got to her daughter's house I stopped in front of it and I never saw her again. So that was one of the first times I remember I was about 30. You'll also
1: recognize, as I did over time, that having paranormal experiences doesn't need to be an isolating thing. Um, It took me a long time to realize this. In fact, it's something of a tradition in my family.
2: We were going to uh, Copic Lake in Columbia County right up here, and um, uh, Aunt Ruth had um, a summer home there and they didn't know we were coming. They had—they were kind of primitive in that they didn't have a phone there and they didn't have a car. They were just there for the summer and Uncle Mark would go on the weekends with the car. So long story short, my father and my brothers and I took the bus up to Copake. We got in about 10:11 at night and we couldn't call them. So there was the Copake Inn um, several miles away and it was a bed and breakfast, and my father got two rooms in it. And it was, I i i was only about, I don't know, 16, 17, and I could feel that something was going on, but I didn't know what it was. And then the next morning, a lot of whispering between my father and my brothers had come to find out that, my brothers were in a room by themselves, and they hadn't slept all night because there was a spirit in their room all night. <laughs> so and uh, at one point, though, I did go to the bathroom in the hallway, and I thought somebody was walking, like, next to me, but I just kind of blew it off because I really didn't know at that point. How old were you? About yeah, 16, 17. hmm and so did your dad know about that kind of stuff or ever see things on his own? It, it sounds like um, Uncle Jim and Uncle Mike were comfortable approaching him after they saw something. I don't think my father believed it. He, he didn't believe in anything like that.
1: I was surprised to find out that the majority of my tiny family has had some sort of contact with the other side. I'm, it's usually a pretty taboo thing, like... I think you said that it took your mom a long time to tell you the story about yeah, seeing something. I've never heard it before. And yeah. She
0: knows how much I love ghosts and this shit. And she's never t- – I'm 30, what, 32?
1: <laughs> well, and like I said, when you told me that story, like, it lends some integrity to the teller when you have to pry it out of them. Mm-hmm. Um and it's the same with my family. Like, it's not like we ever talk openly about stuff like this, um, except for Linda, of course, because Linda's special. But She's it seems a gift. <laughs> she does. She <laughs> and I think that's honestly like, if it's not the gift of spiritual sight, it's definitely the gift of bringing people together and relating, which is, you know, probably not something that I acknowledge it's valid. when I was younger. Yeah, it's valid. She's like, you know, she's comfortable with a lot of feelings that people have that they don't want to talk about. And she talks about them.
2: Wine break. Mm.
1: The most surprising thing to me was that my mother's induction to this spiritual side of herself. um, And it's a side that hears spirits walking around her house at night, every night. um, And she drives through cemeteries just to see who she sees her induction into the side of herself was actually an act of rebellion in itself.
0: Interesting. Um,
1: like me, she found something that her mother believed in and she did a very firm about face.
0: relate.
2: And when you were, so when you were growing up, you didn't really believe in it either. You didn't have any opinion I did. in another way. I believed in it. When I was about nine or 10 years old, I had a book from the library. And a little, first page, a little girl woke up in the morning and she could hear her mother and her aunt downstairs crying and she didn't want to go downstairs because she knew her grandmother had passed away. And the word was psychic and I I didn't know what it meant. And I went to the kitchen where my mother was sitting and I said, what does this word mean? And she said, oh, that's a crock of, you know, crap. And I, I still didn't know what it was, but I knew I wanted it.
1: So there you have it, listeners. That's several generations
0: of my family now who have been fighting over whether they want to be psychic. <laughs> oh, a lot of mother figures fighting over whether they want to be psychic.
1: Yep. And so I spent a lot of my 20s just struggling with this feeling of I want, I want to agree with my mom on what we believe in but not feeling comfortable doing so because Mm. I'm scared. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And it's almost like when she told me that last story, it was like, oh, okay. It's okay to disagree with your mom. If you've ever met my grandmother, you will completely understand her being like, that's a crock of shit.
0: (laughs) She was salty.
1: Yeah, so I I was really psyched about this project simply because it my mom told me so many stories that I'd never heard before. Yeah, that's awesome. It made me feel a lot more comfortable Mm. with uh, a lot of the stuff that she and I had talked about. And so this is my Mother's Day gift to myself. So everyone, go hug your mama, go hug your grandma, your aunt, your teacher, whomever. And (laughs) remember that if your family has passed... They'll always be with you, just not when you're peeing.
2: No.
0: (laughs) And not when you're making sweet, sweet love.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Your face.
0: No. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Goodbye. Special shout out and thanks to the Ten of Fly Vipers for the opening song, Come Ride the Bull. Also, a special shout out to David Miller for helping us with some background music.